Hello, I'm Alec, and this is Scandal 101. Happy April Fool's Day. What a wonderful day if you are a prankster and a jokester, and what a horrible day if you hate that stuff. I I like practical jokes and like getting, tricking people and scaring people to a point, but then I see these videos on like TikTok and Twitter where it's like people are spraying water on people in the house and people are like putting random things in food. No, that's gross, and that is too far for me, but my, I just love a classic scare. Hiding around the corner and then filming it so you can embarrass your siblings for a while. What? Have I done that? No, definitely not. Just thought of that on the top of my head. And with that, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope your week has been good. I hope March treated you well. I hope you're excited for April. And if you're not, that's okay because April showers bring May flowers. Boom, I've got sayings just tucked away for you, so don't you worry about it. In terms of what I have seen on the news recently for scandals, one I have been seeing is actually two. One is with Representative... Cawthorn from North Carolina. He came out recently on a podcast, I believe, and he was saying that there are a lot of politicians that use cocaine and that have like invited him to orgies and stuff like that. At this point, it's like name some names, you know, like if you're going to say all these lawmakers are doing these things, name some names or don't say it at all because it doesn't make it really believable, (laughs) especially if you're like, all these people I looked up to are doing all these horrible things. We'll see if anything comes of that, if there are actually any names. And then the other thing that I'm tired of hearing about is the Will Smith slapping Chris Rock at the Oscars. Uh, I just, I've never been a huge fan of like big celebrity gossip and celebrity drama. And while yes, it's definitely not great that Will Smith hit somebody on, on live TV or just hit anybody in general, you shouldn't resort to violence. It's just like, who cares? It was one slap. Will Smith apologized for it. Chris Rock said he's going to talk about it eventually. Who cares? Why are we still analyzing it? So those are the two biggest scandals I've seen in the news recently, and with that, I'm going to tell you my sources for this episode. I read a couple of articles, two from the New York Times, one from M. Fox, one from S. Roberts, an article from from NBC News by T. Connor, published in 2013, an article published in USA Today by U. Ilinitsky in 2013, an article from The Guardian published in 2007 by M. McDonald, and then lastly, an article by A. Turner titled Bert and Linda Pugosh, The Story Behind Crazy Love from orangepulpfilms.com. With that, we are going to dive into the episode. I've been having such a hard time coming up with 
a creative title that's not cheesy like love is blind but who cares that's obvious so i'm gonna call this episode a hired hit followed by marriage so <laughs> let's dive into it this story is one of true love question mark maybe you can decide the story surrounds the crazy relationship of linda and bert pugosh so let's get to know them Linda Pugosh, uh, she was born Linda Eleanor Riss on February 23rd, 1937 in the Bronx. Her parents, they got divorced when she was young, and she was mainly raised by her mother, her aunts, and her grandmother. She went to high school at James Monroe High School, and a few years after graduating, she met Bert Pugosh. Bert, the other character in the story, his full name is Burton N. Pugosh. He was born on April 20th, 1927 in the Bronx as well. Robert's father, he was an immigrant from Russia and his father worked as a salesman. His dad's name was Paul and his mother's name was Anna or Anna, depending on the pronunciation. Um, Bert, he graduated from City College of New York and then he went on to graduate from Brooklyn Law School in the year of 1950. As a lawyer, he, Bert, was mainly focused on negligence cases, which crossover, that's what we're learning in torts right now in my torts class, and negligence is a beast. So anyone who does tort law, who does negligence law, you have to be really, really smart to understand how that works. And you also have to be smart to be successful because you find the nuances, you find, yeah, you just have to be really smart. And he was really good at his job. He was focusing on negligence cases, and Linda, she was working as a secretary at an air conditioning dealership, which just sounds like such an old thing, an air conditioning dealership. Cool. So that's what those two were doing separately before they met, and depending on the source you read, Linda was either 20, 21, or 22 when she met Bert. When they meet, I guess always, because age doesn't really change, but Bert is 10 years older than her. He's created this successful life, being a lawyer, and on top of being a successful lawyer, which is already just a high, you know, pretty prestigious position or uh, occupation to achieve, he has a lot of nice flashy things. He has a nightclub, he has a private plane, and he has a nice powder blue Cadillac car. And private planes back then it was like a four-seater plane but still like he had his own plane he had a nice car he had his own club so this guy is like doing pretty well for himself the two met and it is basically like a cheesy love story linda she is this beautiful young woman she's described by some as flawless flawless skin, beautiful eyes, and one source described her as someone you would see in a painting, just beautiful, almost non, like, it's like no one's going to achieve that kind of beauty because it's a painting, but this is like, that's Linda. So Linda is beautiful, and I'll post pictures of everybody on the social media so you can see her, but gorgeous person, Bert, I mean, eh, he's okay. But how they met is Linda, she was walking in a park in the Bronx, and Bert saw her. He's like, heck yeah, because she's this beautiful young woman. And then Bert, he's, you know, this high-class person. He tells her a cheesy line, and he's like, oh, are you one of my actresses? Because 
guess what? He had just come back from London where he had been making a film called Death Over My Shoulder. So this guy, he's everywhere. He's doing lots of things. So he's clearly trying to show off for her. He's like, oh, are you one of my actresses? No big deal. I have a private plane in a movie or whatever. She's like, no, because she's not his actress. And he's like, ah, okay, you want to go out with me anyway? And she's like, okay. She says yes. And later when she gets home, there was a dozen red roses waiting for her with a note that said, quote, love from Bert, end quote. To me, I don't think of that as sweet. I think of that as crazy because I, <sighs> you just met and then you go home and there's flowers waiting for you. To me, that's not cute, but whatever. Some people would find that flattering. I would find it like, how do you find my address? Why are you using love in the first note? What's that about? But I, she was someone who was not from necessarily a lot of wealth. And this prestigious, rich person is like throwing himself at her. So I'm sure... On top of just, it is flattering to get positive attention, you know, really no matter who it's from until it crosses a certain line. So my guess is she was feeling overwhelmed in terms of like, oh my gosh, even though this guy is a little older than me, like he's rich, he's successful, and he's buying me flowers already, like this guy's great. They continue to go out, he wines and dines her, he's super well off, and he even though she's not necessarily from like a prestigious or rich background, he is just enamored by her. He finds her so beautiful. And Bert, not only is he rich, not only is he well off, he has these connections. So he can introduce her to celebrities. He can introduce her to these fancy people. He goes, he takes her to his nightclub. And when they go, the band that's there plays Buddy Clark's song called Linda. And one of the lyrics from the song are, quote, when my lucky star begins to shine with one lucky break, I'll make Linda mine, end quote. All of these things, sweeping her off her feet, romantic gestures, taking her to his club. He's successful, rich. He is enamored by her beauty. All of these things are just so overwhelming and so positive and something that I think is like a fairy tale for a lot of people. And all of those things by themselves are great. So when Bert proposes, it's no surprise that she says yes. Even though all of these great things are happening, this is far, far from a romance movie. And unfortunately, the good stuff is coupled with bad things behind the scenes. For example, Bert, he was jealous of male attention that Linda got, including from Linda's male friends. Just stop being jealous. Trust your significant other. Trust your fiance, your girlfriend. But that was too much for him. He's like, I don't like you getting male attention. And then also, he would accuse her of cheating. And he even once had her taken to a doctor's office for an examination to confirm her virginity. Yes. Isn't gross. <sighs> gross. But, and part of the reason why he did this is he was wanting to sleep with her, but Linda was like, nah, I don't want to do this. Like, do that until we're married, which, cool, do what you're comfortable with. But he was like, you're cheating on me. So he took her to the doctor's office and was like, make sure she's still a virgin, which it's like, bro, gross. So this unfortunate behavior, this treatment toward Linda was taking place 
And even though this was taking place, Linda described the lifestyle overall as flattering and that she had thought of herself as, quote, homely, even ugly, end quote. In the past, she said that she had never felt very confident about herself. Even though these things were going on, his jealousy, at the same time, he was spoiling her, treating her like the most beautiful person in the world. It was kind of tiring, but it was also new. It was exciting. She was feeling good about herself. So the relationship continued. Whatever good she saw in the relationship, it was ripped away from her when she heard a rumor that Bert was, maybe no surprise to you, was already married and had a child. So at this point, Bert and Linda are engaged, and Linda finds out that, oh, Bert is married with a child. Linda confronts Bert, and Bert is like, uh, yeah, you got me. I've got a wife. I've got a kid. And she wants him to end it. And he's like, don't worry. I'm going to get a divorce. I promise you. And she's like, okay, well, I'll believe it when I see the divorce papers. And within 24 hours of this conversation, he came back with divorce papers. And you might be thinking to yourself, man, what a good guy. He really loves her. Mm, hold that thought because Linda was like, yeah, I kind of want to investigate this. I want to make sure that these papers are legit. So she gets like the court number or the index number on the papers. She looks it up, has someone make sure it's legit. And it turns out the papers are fake. Part of the reason why Bert had to fake these papers is because Bert's current wife, named Francine, was refusing to end the marriage. And maybe this was because not only did they have a kid together, but the kid, their kid together, had different learning disabilities, and Francine stayed home and took care of the kid. So, from one perspective, it's like, well, okay, if your husband's cheating on you, why wouldn't you get a divorce? But the other perspective is like, you are staying home with this child who has a learning disability, you're helping them. It's, you know, this is the father of your child. And also it was in like the 50s and 60s. Divorce wasn't that common. Nuclear family, live, laugh, love. Not really, but that was a big thing. It makes sense why Francine, Bert's current wife, was refusing to get a divorce. And at the end of this, it's not Francine's fault. It's not Linda's fault. It's, <laughs> it's Bert's fault. It's like, why, why, <sighs> Bert? After finding all this out, Linda is, of course, upset. She realizes this situation isn't good, it's not healthy for her, so she leaves Bert. She starts seeing other men, she's living her life, and Bert doesn't like this. At one point, Linda even becomes engaged to another man, which it's like, get it, Linda, like you're living your life. Even though Linda is seemingly moving on, Bert is not. He's showing almost an unhealthy obsession into Linda, and he's continuing to send her flowers. He calls her over and over. He calls her friends. He writes her letters. He sends gifts. Just annoying, toxic stuff like that. So Bert, at this point in the story, he has lost someone he cares about a lot, but kind of seems like he was obsessed with, which, uh, good, you brought that upon yourself. If you want to cheat on your wife, just end your marriage. Don't cheat. What's your problem? So not only is he facing the loss of, of Linda, which I mean, his fault completely, not Linda's fault, but he's facing that in his life. 
And then he's also facing professional trouble because he is facing charges for illegal conduct regarding fee splitting. This could have resulted with him losing his license to practice law, and he said about this quote, I was distraught. They were going to ruin my life over absolutely nothing. The pressure was overwhelming, end quote. He continued this toxic behavior, calling Linda, sending her gifts, presumably trying to win her back. And now, not only was the behavior before scary, but it's becoming even more frightening. He says to her at one point, quote, If I can't have you, no one else will, end quote. And so that's something you definitely want to hear from your ex-boyfriend. <laughs> Good God. This scary behavior... It keeps going on until June 15th, 1959. Linda and Linda's mother, they share an apartment, and there's a knock at the door. Linda's mother answers, and the person there is like, hey, there's a delivery for Linda. So Linda's mom is like, okay, cool. She goes to get Linda, and when Linda reaches the door, the person who's standing at the door throws something at Linda's face. What did the person at the door throw? The person at the door threw the chemical lye in Linda's face. Lye is a very, very toxic chemical that can scar skin, it can cause chemical burns, it can cause blindness, and it can be fatal if ingested. So this person throws lye at Linda's face, and the lye, it partially blinds Linda, it balds part of her head, and it partially disfigures her face. Luckily, she survives the attack, but from the attack, she had months in the hospital, bandages all over her head, and various operations. This attack happened, and it wasn't that hard to figure out how this attack happened, how it was orchestrated, or who orchestrated it. So, after some investigation, Bert was arrested, as well as the three accomplices he hired to make it happen. And so what happened is, Bert, he hired these people, like he wasn't the one at the door, because... He would have been recognized, so he hired these people, and they are the ones who actually went and threw the lie. Bert, he was convicted in 1961 to a sentence of 30 years in prison, but he was let out after 14 years for good behavior. After the attack and after she had recovered to the most that she could, she was partially blind, um, but she was like, I got out of this toxic relationship, I've suffered this horrible attack, I just want to go live my life, I want to have some fun, and so she does. So she flies to Europe with some of her friends, and so Bert, just as I'm sure you are keeping track, Bert is in prison at this point. So she flies to Europe with her friends, um, and because the lie burned her face really bad, and specifically like the area around her eyes, she started wearing large, dark sunglasses to hide the scars because before this attack, she was this, as people described her, flawless, beautiful, paint-like woman. And not that she's not beautiful anymore, but now she has these chemical burns around her eyes and that is going to make anyone feel insecure about their face. And it's, um, there was someone I went to school with, if I'm remembering correctly, he fell into a fire in like fourth or fifth grade and he had a pretty bad um, like fire burn on his arm. And I don't remember if they did a, I don't think they did a screen, skin graft, but he had on his arm like a patch of like, it looked like just melted smooth skin and it was from the fire. So 
That's kind of what I'm picturing around her eyes if it was like a chemical burn. I mean, the person I went to school with, his was from fire, but I can kind of imagine what a chemical burn around the eyes would look like. Anyway, small tangent, but so she had these things that made her insecure around her eyes, so she wore these large dark sunglasses. About going to Europe, she said that, quote, I had a marvelous time. I was no wallflower. I was a free agent. I dated and did what every young person does, end quote. Even though she was having fun, she was dealing with the insecurities of her burns on her face, and it was doubly unfortunate because no one could seem to get past her physical appearance with the burns. She did casually date people, she had no serious boyfriends, and there was one man who wanted to marry her, but at that point, like, he was like, I want to marry you, and she was like, cool, but the person hadn't seen her without her sunglasses off. And she was kind of nervous about this, so they went on a date, and she was like, I'll just wear clear glasses so he can get my, like, he can see what I actually look like. And after that dinner, she never heard from him again. <sighs> so sad. And about this, she says that, or she said that, quote, it was devastating, but you have to move on, end quote. She went back to New York um, after this trip. She was living life, doing her thing, still dealing with her chemical burns and all that stuff, but Bert wasn't done with her. While he was in prison, he wrote Linda letters that said things like, quote, you will never find a man to love you more than me, end quote. And he signed them with your loving husband, Bert. What a dick move, you know, just like, you already ruined this woman's life by making her have these insecurities about herself, and now you're just tormenting her? Uh, just so you know, this next part just does can't contain some kind of graphic details, one including self-harm. Skip ahead about 30 seconds if you don't want to hear that. Bert, he described prison as dreadful. Yeah, it's prison. What do you, th like, you're not going to a ski lodge. He said that, quote, there were no windows. You could masturbate, but nothing else, end quote. Why did he say that? I don't know, but I just wanted to kind of convey the kind of person he was to Linda <laughs> and to show what his mindset was when he was in prison. And um, this is a self-harm part. At one point, he was sent to an asylum for slashing his wrists with the lenses of his glasses. And he was also crying out, quote, Linda, I love you. Linda, take me back, end quote. As I said before, he was sentenced to 30 years in prison, but he got out for 14, in 14 years for good behavior. And about this, Linda said that, quote, I felt it wasn't long enough. I wanted him to rot in there, end quote. Yeah, this person changed your life forever. Why, sh why is this person getting out? 15 years early for good behavior. He didn't have good behavior when he hired someone to throw lie at your face. So he was getting out early and Bert's attorney, he wrote Linda a letter, which was just basically asking her if she needed anything. I don't really know why the attorney wrote the letter in the first place, but the attorney did. And so the attorney's like, hey, Linda, do you need anything? And Linda was like, yeah, I need money. So at that point, Bert started sending her $50 pretty regularly. Also, this is back in the 70s, so $50 is a lot more than it is now. After Bert's release, Linda was put under police protection, but with even though she had this protection, 
her friends were kind of like, eh, your vision is fading. You are a single woman. You should probably see if you can find someone like a life partner to have to help, you know, guide you through these things. It seems like she agrees. And eventually she meets with Bert. Her friends were like, well, he really seems to love you. And so her and Bert get back together. This relationship, of course, gains a lot of attention because he essentially blinded you and now you're back together and it gained even more attention when Bert went on TV several times to propose to Linda and the two were married in November of 1974, just eight months after Bert's release. Their marriage was sensationalized by tabloids, lots of things were written about them, and for a while, even though it was being sensationalized, it seemed like they had a pretty normal marriage. Bert, he went to work as a paralegal, even though their history as a couple was abnormal, it seemed like their marriage was normal. That is, until 1997. In 1997, Bert was accused of making threats against a woman that he was having an affair with. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> this person he was apparently having an affair with for a total of five years. And at this point, Bert, he wasn't a lawyer anymore, but he represented himself at the trial. His wife, Linda, the person that he hurt, testified on his behalf as a character witness and a former mistress also testified on Bert's behalf. At the trial, Linda said about him and to him, because he was the attorney, quote, you're a wonderful, caring husband, end quote. The trial went on, and he was convicted of second-degree harassment, but overall, it didn't really seem like the charges were too serious. I believe he was also charged with sexual harassment, but he didn't get charged, like he wasn't found guilty of that charge, so he received a pretty minor charge, and that was that. As the two got older, their marriage was described as pretty normal. It was said that they would watch TV together, and while they were watching TV at this point, um, Linda was completely blind, so Bert would describe what was happening while Linda was listening. Linda learned how to knit and sew. She led classes. She also did volunteer work with the blind. The couple sat down for an interview with The Guardian in 2007, and it was written about their relationship. It described it. There was a movie made about the relationship and about the whole thing in 2007 called Crazy Love. In this interview, they partially discussed why they wanted to make the movie. So Linda said the following about this, quote, 50 years, I've been back and forth with this story. It's been so long. It's another lifetime. I don't even look at it as sad. It is a part of my life and I accept it. And that's where we're at, end quote. When Linda was asked if she thought that she would have ended up alone if she hadn't married Bert, she said, quote, I refuse to believe that. I refuse to believe I didn't have any gentleman friends at that time. I could have gotten by. I still pass muster. End quote. She just sounds like kind of like a snappy old sassy like woman, and I love her for that. 
when I say that their relationship seemed normal, it was like during the interview, Bert asked if he could confess something. And then he was like, yeah, I still have a crush on you. And then she was like, yeah, you do. So it's like just joking, normal things that you would expect out of a couple that's been together for at this point, almost, well, they were together and then he went to prison and then they weren't together. But besides the prison stint that he had, they've been together for like almost 50 years. So they've been together a long time at this point. When Bert looks back at the attack, he says, quote, Every day of my life, I regret what I did, whether I went to jail or not. A day after I did it, I regretted what I did. If I could undo that, I would. As I said before, if I was myself, I wouldn't have done it. Was I crazy at the time? I don't know how you define it, but it was a terrible reaction to a terrible situation. I couldn't think straight. So do I regret what I did? Well, I didn't do it. I caused it. End quote. And of course, he's talking about like, well, I didn't actually throw the lie in her face, but I hired the people who did. I guess at least you regret it, but okay. The couple, Linda and Bert, they never had children. And Bert said that, quote, one reason why I believe we should not have children was that any child would probably grow up hating my guts because of what I did. There are still some people who won't talk to me. So you don't know who will or who won't. I didn't know that Linda was going to forgive me. End quote. Yeah, you and the whole world didn't know that. Why would you expect someone to forgive you that you caused their face to have chemical burns and eventually for them to be completely blind? I think it was a shock to not just you that Linda forgave you, but we'll set that aside. Bert also said that he and Linda never talked about what happened, and that was partially because Bert said he hired the guys to beat Linda up, not to throw lie in her face. Not that that's a lot better, and like, I mean, I guess if she was beat up, presumably she wouldn't have been permanently affected physically, like I'm sure she would be traumatized, but presumably she wouldn't have been beaten up to the point of where she would have gone blind. But Bert's like, I didn't even want to hire those people to blind her. I just wanted to hire those people to beat her up. But it's... Bert. And then also, apparently, after the guys did throw the lie at Linda's face, they apparently blackmailed Bert for it. Not that you should do multiple kinds of criminal conduct, but it's like, if you hire someone to blind someone or to beat someone up if you believe Bert's story. You deserve some negative (laughs) treatment from the universe or from some people, and it sounds like karma bit him right in the ass. Throughout this interview that I'm quoting from, the writer of the article, Marianne McDonald, um, it was that Guardian article I cited at the beginning of the episode, she said that when she first went into the house, She didn't like Bert, she thought he was creepy, but when she left, she left liking both Linda and Bert. She expressed that they clearly loved each other, they had a joking relationship. At one point near the end of the interview, Linda said that she was bored and that she was going to go do her nails. Linda and Bert, they joked throughout the entire relationship, they had banter, and they just did normal couple things, like she knitted, they watched TV together, he described the TV program. So... They had this seemingly, I don't, positive relationship, I guess. (laughs) They have a crazy history, and I would have never guessed that someone who did something to that, like that to someone, would end up with them. But in their day-to-day relationship, 
I don't know. Part of it maybe is that they're an older couple based on these next quotes. Bert, so Bert cheated on Linda, as we know from the 97 court case. Uh, Bert said about this quote, some people drink, some people do drugs. This is what I did. What do you want me to do? Duck away and lie to you, end quote. Which is like, I guess it's good that you're being honest, but maybe just don't cheat. Linda says that she doesn't know how many times Bert has cheated, but she says that, quote, Bert cheated, but he's a man. That's what men do, end quote. And to me, that really says a lot about just maybe their age. Men are often gross. (laughs) I mean, people are gross. And there are so many examples even today where it's like we yep, have men are cheating but i feel like part of it is there's less of a sentiment today to like stick by your man no matter what whereas someone who was born in the 30s grew up and in that time it was a lot more common to stick by your man to stay married or once you you know they cheated on you but you're the wife you need to be loyal. So I think part of it to me speaks more to the time period than the relationship. But also it does seem like their relationship, I guess when he wasn't cheating was good. So I don't know, it's a weird complex situation. Even though he cheated on her and caused her blindness, she did think positively of him. She said in this interview, quote, Between you, me, and the lamppost, I don't say much good about Bert usually, but the man is brilliant, end quote. The movie Crazy Love, the producer of that film, he spent a total of three years getting to know the couple throughout the filming. He was asked to describe their relationship and why they got together and got married and stayed married. And so the producer of the film, whose name was Mr. Clores, he said that, quote, I don't use the word guilt, but I'm not using the word love, end quote. Linda passed away at the age of 75 from heart failure on January 22nd, 2013. Bert passed away on December 24th, 2020. But that doesn't end the story. After Bert died, he had some money. Well, scratch that. He had a lot of money. His estate and his assets were worth $18 million when he died. His assets were highly contested because he ended up leaving most of his estate to his caregiver. This was shocking for quite a few people after finding out that the latest version of his will had disinherited several of his friends as well as ended up giving a smaller amount of money than was expected to a foundation that he had established to honor his late his late lo- whoa to honor his late light his late wife Linda there we go so he set up this foundation to honor Linda And when he died, it was like, oh, you're not giving as much money as you said because the will was changed and because you're cutting out a lot of people and giving less money to this foundation. Like, what's going on with that? Originally, the foundation was supposed to get around $10 million and his caregiver was to get around $5 million, but then that was changed. I don't know what the exact amounts were changed to. And because it was so contested, the assets were frozen and it was because of potential fraud His caregiver named Shamin or Shamin Frawley was accused of conspiring with her estranged husband to coerce Bert to alter his will after he suffered a stroke. So basically his it's 
theorized that his caregiver took advantage of him after he was more vulnerable, after he had a stroke, and changed his will to give her more money. She was also identified on his death certificate as Bert's spouse, and I saw in a couple of articles that it's been alleged by some people that she, after the stroke, withheld food and medicine from him, which, if that's true, is just horrific. But Miss uh, Frawley's lawyers, they refute all of that, and she and her lawyers say that, quote, since 2016, she was the last love of his life, end quote. I couldn't find an update as to if the estate was changed, if any developments came from these alleged criminal activities, um, but that was the last update I could find as of March and April of 2021 is when those articles were published. And then to end off this episode, before Linda's death, she said about their marriage, about the quality of their marriage, that, quote, I think it's probably as good as most, probably better, end quote. And then in another interview, just going back to the point of her kind of being like a sassy, witty, older woman, she said that, quote, marrying him has been the best revenge, end quote. And with that, that concludes a hired hit followed by marriage. This story, it's sensational because it's like, I don't know if star-crossed lovers is the right term because they're not necessarily, necessarily celebrities, but it's someone that blinded someone by hiring a hitman he went to jail was toxic abusive manipulative and yet they ended up together and they were married for like 40 years and together more than 40 years most people can't make a marriage last that long he cheated on her they still stayed together so clearly that wasn't a factor big enough for her to end the marriage did she want to end the marriage at some points Maybe, maybe not, but I think this story is just so intriguing because someone permanently altered your life, blinded you after some time, and yet you spend the rest of your life with him after he gets out of prison for the crime against you. <laughs> wow. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that story. Uh, it's definitely one with lots of, I don't just unexpected results. So that is that. We are going to dive into a personal scandal. This is one sent in just talking about family scandals. Kind of short, but this one said that my great aunt wasn't able to get pregnant, and so to prevent being hated on by their family and the church, she faked a pregnancy and quote-unquote gave birth when she read it, when she actually adopted while on vacation. Ugh, that, I guess it's good that your aunt was, was it great aunt? Great aunt. It's, I guess, good that your great aunt was able to have a child by adopting a child, but the fact that she had to do it partially because she was being hated on by her church and her family seems like a thing of the past or more old-fashioned thinking where you can't have a kid or you're not having a kid. That's the woman's job to have a kid. Like, uh, bro, st why am I saying bro so much? I'm not a little, I'm not a, I'm not a TikTok hipster like these youngins. <laughs> it's just, ugh. Well, I guess good that she was able to have a kid, but it's a bummer that she felt pressured because she was being hated on by her family and her church. And that's why maybe you shouldn't think old like that and women can do what they want. 
And if they can't have kids, don't shame them because it's not their fault, it's biological. Or if they don't want to have kids, who cares? Let them do what they want. Alrighty, and with that, that concludes the episode. That concludes the scandal, personal scandal. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to keep up with the latest, stay in touch on social media, on Instagram at Scandal101Podcast, on Twitter at Scandal101Pod, and on Facebook, if you search Scandal101Podcast, you'll find us there. The website is Scandal101Podcast.Podbean.com. You can find the show notes there. You can also find the show notes linked in the episode description. And if you, if you have your own personal scandal you want read on the podcast, please send that to Scandal101Podcast at gmail.com. That is that's all i've got for you happy april fool's day if you're gonna pull a joke make sure it's one that is not gonna ruin an important relationship for you and with that this has been episode 46 of scandal 101